frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Film church. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. I've had that once or twice in City Lights, just the last scene. I'm not acting, almost apologetic, standing outside myself and looking. It's a beautiful scene, beautiful. And because it isn't overacted, Charlie Chaplin. Hello, and welcome to Film Church Radio. This is the podcast that treats cinema as a religion. It's Sunday, I'm Lewis. And I'm Brandon. And we are here to talk about movies. Each week, Brandon and I alternate picking a film for us both to watch and discuss. Today, I pick one of my favourite films of all time, Charlie Chaplin's essential 1931 silent film, City Lights. We are going back to our regular formatted shows after a couple of weeks of limbo. So glad that you're here. Hope that you've watched the film, that you love it, and you've come here to listen to us talk about it. Um, If you want to know what to watch for next week and what Brandon and I will definitely be watching... Stay tuned for the end of the show where Brandon will be revealing all. Um, We would like to say thank you to everyone who has been listening to the podcast and sending their love for the show. If you're new to the show and are enjoying it, be sure to subscribe and hit that bell to be notified when a new episode is available. This is a film church, so we post episodes on Sundays. And if you really, really enjoy the show, please share it with your friends. Um, How can you share the show, I hear you ask? Tell them filmchurchradio.com or any good podcast platform. Head over there, find the show, give us a listen, and we much appreciate it. We are also on all the social media platforms at Film Church Radio, where you can leave us a comment or send a message about the show. And we also post extra content on YouTube as well, periodically, so be sure to go and check us out over there to see what else is new. Um, Before we discuss the film, this is the part of the show where we sing hymns of other films that we've been watching, or just the praises, but hymns is kind of... It fits into what we're trying to do with this film church. Um, So we're going to pick a few films to talk about. And we haven't done this for a while, so our lists were really long. So we've managed to just pick a few films, I think, to talk about. Um, But Brandon, what have you been watching? What do you want to talk about? On my list on Letterboxd. No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not actually going to sing in this part. Um, So, yeah, tons of stuff. I mean, in terms of like new movies and movies that I've seen in the theater, uh, the dial uh, of Indiana Jones's destiny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And what else? Past Lives. I went and saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see the film. I saw that you watched it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Uh, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. We can talk Um, about that. I guess those are... I mean, I also saw Barbie, but we're going to save that. Um, yeah. And then... Also, yeah, so those are in the cinema. I also watched yeah. The Beanie Bubble, which is new this year on Apple TV+. Plus. Flamin' Hot. Uh, <laughs> the movie about the Flamin' Hot Cheeto creator. <laughs> um, directed by Eva Longoria. Oh. <laughs> that's a that's a weird sentence <laughs> i know and uh yeah so those are all new i also saw like, i have watched a ton of other great films older films yeah. but yeah i mean indiana jones was 
I gave it three and a half. I went in with really low expectations and just kind of enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, I don't even know if I'll watch it again, but you know, yeah, it was yeah. a good way to spend a couple of hours. Um, you know, didn't regret going or anything, but yeah. you know, it it just wasn't going to be what we all wanted, I no. think, or or needed. No. And you know, yeah. if, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna watch the first three if I'm if I do yeah. watch. I was gonna say I think that's the same with the Crystal Skull, right? It's the 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 feeling of we don't need it. It doesn't necessarily kind of fit into my ideal of Indiana Jones anymore. Yeah, but it's a fun time. Yeah, and I didn't hate it as much as a lot of other people. But that's the thing is like, what what did you expect? You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean. It's just the way things are with these kind of movies. Yeah, we're expected to be let down by big franchise films coming back. Yeah. It happens again and again, apart yeah. from Top Gun, for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, like, when uh, like when you get a good one, you know, then you have something to be surprised and happy about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but don't Tom, expect so- it. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Top Gun for me was a complete surprise because I really don't like the original Top Gun. Yeah, it, it's yeah, yeah it's not. Well, good. It was a it was a complete surprise to me too because even with all the trailers for Top Gun Maverick, I was like, um, I am so not interested in this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but it worked somehow. Tom Cruise pulled it out of his little bag, and it worked. Yeah. So, but um. It's a high bar. Yeah, exactly. Um. So, and then past lives, past lives was really good. Uh, I also gave it three and a half stars. You mm-hmm. know, it wasn't. You know, it was a nice, intimate A twenty four film. Um, about relationships and yeah, um, uh, long distance friendships and uh, you know, it wasn't um. It wasn't life changing. It wasn't like, oh my god, this is the greatest film of this year. But I mean, it was a really good movie. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, I enjoyed it, and I like you know kind of intimate, smaller films like this. Um, yeah, just a beautifully made movie. I think. Oh, good. Um, Flame and Hot was pretty great. I mean, I gave it. I also gave it three and a half. Um, but it's it's a fun time. Um Yeah. You know, I mean it's about the flaming hot Cheeto. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it uh you know, had to do Yeah, uh, I mean it's a true story of the guy who made who invented the flaming hot Cheeto. Um uh and he he basically like just to give you all the spoilers, um I think it's on Hulu. But yeah. he, he he was like a uh, a Mexican American that worked in the uh, Frito Lay factory as a janitor, and um during the hard economic times of the eighties, they were like downsizing and shutting factories down, and he he like didn't want to lose his job, um so he like him and his wife came up with the formula for the. 
the flaming hot powder to put over the yeah. Cheetos, and then he he basically like forced his way into the, wow. you know, CEO's corporate. Um, not forced his way into his office, but he got yeah. it. He found a way in, and then uh, yeah. Anyway, blew up obviously. Um, directed by Eva Longoria, it, it's a fun fun time. I mean, yeah. you know, it's not like going to be nominated for any academy awards or anything but um the representation is is cool and then uh there's um there's like a few cameos in it that are cool like interesting like like one of the 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 people who plays uh one of the guys like little kids um is like a tiktok star okay um which is interesting. He's like he's yeah. kind of one of the funny comedic um characters in the film. Yeah. And then uh there's a guy, what is his name? Um let me look him up real quick. He uh he was one of the background actors, but he did have a line. Um but I recognized him. I was like, is that that one dude? Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, his name is Alejandro something, uh, but he was on. Do you remember like a few years ago, Robert Rodriguez did the TV show Rebel Without a Crew? I don't. So, um, you know, Robert Rodriguez, who we've talked about a lot, one of my favorite directors, uh, created El Mariachi and, um, the Spy Kids movies and yeah. you know tons of popular stuff uh, has a book about making his first movie. It's called Rebel Without a Crew. Um, and then in 2021, he had he made a uh, kind of reality TV show on his uh, El Rey network um, called Rebel Without a Crew, where he basically picked like five different filmmakers and then. Um, like people sent in scripts and then from those scripts he picked five different filmmakers gave them each $7,000 which is what he made his first film for uh, to, so they each got $7,000 and they had like two weeks to make a movie wow. um, and it's a really good uh, show um, yeah because you get to watch kind of like how they break everything down and like you know what the end results are and their struggles Um. Anyway, one of the one of the filmmakers, um, and a lot of the people are are kind of working in the industry now. But Alejandro Montoya Marin, uh, okay, yeah, um, kind of seemed like a young Guillermo del Toro. Nice in terms of like personality and stuff. Yeah, uh, on the show. Um, I still haven't watched his movie. It's called Mondays, um, that he made on the, mm. um, on the show, but, uh, it looked really good. And like, it was, it seemed like the one that everybody had the most excitement about at the end. Like this one is really good, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. Like the other filmmakers learned a lot, but this movie's actually good kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's just kind of cool to like, just see him like all of a sudden in like this, feature film made for Hulu. Yeah. Directed by Evo Longoria. So I'm hoping to see more more stuff from him come out. That'll be cool. Um 
Are you surprised at the amount of films we're getting at the moment that are like based around big corporations and like business decisions that made them a lot of money? I mean, yes and no. Because it's like, because yeah, the Beanie Bubble and Barbie. I mean, Barbie isn't about like the making of Barbie necessarily, but. um, It's Mattel. Yeah. I mean, it's a commercial. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's it's gonna sell more Barbies. Yeah. Um, Flaming Hot's gonna sell more Cheetos. Yeah. <laughs> and the Beanie Bubble is gonna sell more Beanie Babies potentially. Um, yeah. People are but, gonna get them out of the attic and then realize uh-huh. for the third time that they're still worthless. Yeah. <laughs> um. But you know, I mean, it, I think it's just, I think it's just a demand for content right now. Yeah, you know, it's like all of these. I mean, Apple makes movies and TV shows now. Yeah, like that's yeah. weird. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And, but that's where money is at right now, and what people like the demand for content is there, and that's and all these companies. You know, I don't know. It's it's just there. There's so much that goes into it. Like you know, trying so, to break down the reason these movies are getting made. But it's all it's it's mainly that I think the demand for content is there, and the it's it's the studio's decision to make these movies. It's yeah. not it's not that screenwriters are running out of content to write. It's that the studio, this is what the studios are asking for. And so the writers are having to write these movies. Yeah. So you think that it's a, it's a case of they're just putting out so much content that like everything is being exploited. It's a case of that, but it's also a case of the fact that these movies are being made by big corporations and big corporations love to suck each other's dicks. Yeah, I guess it's like when, yeah, I know what you mean. I guess it's like when it comes to Oscar season and the films about Hollywood always do well. You know, it's the films about kind of the movie making industry, like the artist. um, I mean, yeah, that's a good point because it's like, because yeah, it's like, you know, when Hollywood does that, it's like, I mean, back in the day, it was like, you know, you had the big studios and that's what they were. They were studios. Yeah. They made yeah. movies. And then when they made movies about themselves, they were like, aren't we so cool? Let's give each other awards. Yeah. Yeah. But now these studios are owned by like Comcast and AT&T mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Apple and, you know, all like these big Disney, tech yeah. corporations own the movie studios now. And so now they're like, let's make a movie about the beanie bubble and flaming hot cheetos and barbie and yeah um our products you know yeah i mean that could have something to do with it too i guess but yeah the film industry always amazes me that you know there's a lot of people that will be like oh they're just copying all these other films that come out the same it's like well that's not true because these films have probably been in production for two three years yeah so uh, around similar times all these different studios were greenlit films about um like corporations and like, yeah you know fads tetris it's, yeah it's yeah tetris air beanie baby bob like all these crazy films 
are yeah. just coming out right now, which is which is crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And then me. but they're doing well, so like they're gonna Yeah. Poly Pocket. They just the jump on the, the trend. And yeah. the thing is it's like yeah, it's like there's tons of original screenplays and screenwriters and stories out there, but like this is what the studios are funding. So it's not yeah. really it's not really because uh, yeah. of writers necessarily. Not no, writers. and I think, you know, you look at it and they're doing pretty well. I mean, Air did okay at the box office from what I remember. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of things about Beanie Babies. I've seen it advertised a lot. I don't know if that necessarily means people are watching it. Um, but I, I haven't heard about um, the Cheeto one. Yeah. So. Yeah. But it, well, that's also a weird thing is like, yeah. Apple seems to be a little bit better about advertise, advertising their content. Maybe it's because they have less content than like Netflix and Hulu. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, Hulu, things that get on Hulu just, you just aren't going to hear we've about it. We've said this for ages. Yeah, we've said this for a long time. That yeah. if it's on Hulu, I mean, was it Bad Hair that we watched that was on Hulu? Yeah. And it was like, you had to dig, you know, it wasn't, it was like a Hulu original. It wasn't even like on any of the pages. You had to dig into the depths. Yeah. Crazy. It's so silly. Yeah. I mean, that that makes me wonder, like, I mean, I guess it's like if you're an up-and-coming filmmaker, you're going to take whatever you can get, you know? Yeah. If Hulu's yeah. offering you twice your budget for, yeah. you know, for your film, and no, you're not getting any other offers, I guess you're going to take it, because And I suppose the good, I mean... Yeah, the good news now is that everyone's a critic. So, like, if it does get lost or it's kind of, like, buried, if the filmmaking itself is good, you know, like, Prey. I'm thinking specifically about yeah. Prey. Yeah. People on Letterboxd, people on Twitter will start, like, championing it, and it will eventually, like, reach more people. But film, people certain films have always kind of needed that, too, though, right? Like yeah. even, mm-hmm. I mean, even Quentin Tarantino has, like... uh Champion old films that nobody's heard of and like brought them back, yeah, into exactly, the, yeah, to the forefront. So, I mean, maybe we just uh need to do a better job at finding these films and yeah, talking about them, yeah, telling like preaching the gospel of these lost films, that's right, so that Hulu can get more streams, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> Stream Hulu. Yeah. Um yeah. But I don't know. Um yeah. Beanie Bubble was I enjoyed it. Like it was yeah. uh I'm I mean, it it's a fun movie. Again, it's just it's about I mean, you kind of know what you're getting into. I mean, for me, it was kind of about uh, Zach Galifianakis's performance. Like, I, it was a really good performance. He was the perfect person to play this guy. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's an Oscar-worthy performance. I don't know if there, mm. if a movie like this is going to get... I mean, the reviews don't seem to be good, so probably not gonna get yeah. nominated or anything but he's definitely someone i could see winning an oscar at some point mm. and this is like uh a role that still he gets to play into his comedy 
but it's also there's enough drama that you get to see kind of a range of his acting ability. Yeah. Um, plus, it's like, like him shaving his beard for this role is almost like you know Christian Bale gaining a bunch of weight <laughs> for a role. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. so different from what you're used to seeing that almost that is like. <laughs> one of those things that I feel like people would be like, like it's worth going to see it alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or just like look how committed he is, you know. <laughs> um, but also uh, Elizabeth Banks is like she's such a good actress, and uh, you know, watching the movie, I realize like how good of an actress she is. Like, because she's so good that that people. That she's like not on anybody's radar sometimes, I feel like. You know, she's been around for a long time. She's been working for a long time. She's been on a lot of like iconic movies. Yeah. Um But you you know, you never see her acting. You know what no. I mean? Like she always yeah. feels real. And um yeah, it also made me just re- realize like, man, she needs like she like deserves like an acting award. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It's like she's yeah. she's really she's a really great actress. Um yeah. So cool. New movies. <laughs> what have you been watching? So we mentioned Bad Hair and I watched the director of Bad Hair's new film, Haunted Mansion, um directed by Justin Simeon. Um the Disney new take on the classic ride um seems to be kind of disney's trade now is let's just cash in on what we like our property that we own you know whether it be remakes or rides or yeah. whatever you know um so this one um came out this year um it's got um Lakeith Stanfield in it Owen Wilson Tiffany Haddish Danny DeVito um Jared Leto is in it um, oh yeah! Don't let that put you off. It's me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, thankfully, he's um, he's bearable because you can't tell it's him. Oh really? So yeah. again, yeah. So it's perfect. So it's great because it's oh. like it doesn't take you out of it. You know, there's yeah. a few scenes where there's like old newspaper clippings, and it's like, oh, it's Jared Leto. But other than that, you can't tell, which is yeah. really nice. Um, and it, it's 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 fine. I think um, the trouble is that these films seem to have no second draft of any scripts. Um, it ev- there's things in here that seem to like start off really well and then go nowhere, and uh. like we get big dramatic endings, and it's like, where has this come from? We've had like maybe one exposition before. Yeah, nothing seems to kind of really be overly connected um story wise i think that the performances um are fine i think apart from licky stanfield unfortunately he seems to be like every scene it's like a different person huh there's some scenes that he really sells um and then there's other scenes that you're just like wow he looks like he just is not enjoying this at all weird so stiff i mean tiffany haddish is really good um as is Owen Wilson, who has the majority of the jokes, but most of the characters, yeah, they just they just don't seem like they get 
written properly. Mm. They're all pretty one-dimensional. Um, if you're a fan of the ride, um, you're going to love it because yeah. there's so many nods and stuff here to the actual ride that it kept my interest. You know, I'm, I love Disney, and me and my wife got married there, so we kind of enjoy the Disney being shoved down our throats, um, <laughs> <laughs> which this does. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, it's yeah. fun. It, it It made me laugh a few times, which is good. Um, other people were laughing in the cinema as well. It's not brilliant, but it's not as bad as some people have written. Um, yeah. I gave it like three and a half. Cause it's not Pirates of the Caribbean. No, no. And it's like, for me, I think that it's scary enough to warrant the name Horton Mansion, but it's not too scary that kids you don't want to take your kids to. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a few things in there. I mean, it's not jump scares, you know, it's just like creaks and like eyes looking at you through walls and stuff. So, yeah, which is good. Um, nice. But yeah, doesn't really stick the landing too much. Um, and then I watched uh, My Name is Alfred Hitchcock from this year. It is a documentary um, directed by Mark Cousins, who did the story of film that we've talked about before and, and a lot of other kind of film and TV work around the history of cinema. Um in this, the the whole premise is that it is written and narrated by Alfred Hitchcock. Okay. So he gets um, a impersonator, Alistair McGowan, who is pretty big in England. He had, used to have a TV show of like impersonations and stuff, um, to basically do an impression of Hitchcock and talk us through like six different areas of um, of like that attracts him to film to his films basically so we get you know a, a lot of different new takes on the cinema of alfred hitchcock which is really interesting um and it's a good way to do it i think the the only criticism that i would have is that there's so much that's already been said about hitchcock he's so like so talked about the the writing and documentaries and stuff are already out there is so dense that it is hard to say anything new. And at yeah. times it does feel a little bit like is this are we like is this a fresh take or are we just looking at this from a from a novel way because no one's done it before? Yeah. Um I think I still think that it's worth a watch. There's a few things in there that come up and and having Hitchcock basically talk to you through the whole film is really entertaining. Yeah. Um so I gave it four. And I probably, you know, I am going to try and go back and rewatch it again a little bit later to just give it another go. Um, but yeah, I mean, what can you say about Hitchcock that's not already been said? I think that's yeah. the problem it keeps running into. And it's just like a documentary film, right? It's like a couple of yeah. hours or. Yeah, two hours, just some, you know, clips of his films. And because um... I know the other Mark Cousins stuff is like real long. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is this is a, a movie. So this is just two yeah. hours. It's it was out in cinemas and stuff. I think it should be available to rent <clears throat> on like streaming platforms and stuff now. Um but it is worth a watch if you're interested in Hitchcock and um aren't, you know, completely fatigued by um information on him, it is interesting. There's a lot in there um to kind of get from it. You know, a lot about camera angles and stuff that I like a lot. Yeah, sweet. Um, and then I watched or oh, rewatched I Tonya uh, from 2017, 
I'm trying to go through a bit of a phase now where the films that I really liked when they came out, um, especially the past like 10 years, yeah, I'm going to go back and try and watch them because I seem to just watch them once and be like, that was great, and then just forget. Yeah, yeah. Um, and with Margot Robbie being so front and center at the moment because of Barbie, I thought this is a perfect time to go back and watch it. Um, really good supporting performances from like Sebastian Stan, Alison Janney, um, Paul Walter Hauser as well. Um, just, just all round like everyone knocks it out of the park. Yeah. Um, it it treads that fine line of of making her kind of like a villain, but also making you feel sorry for her as well. Yeah. Um, and it's a good, entertaining couple of hours. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's probably as good as I thought it was when it first came out. Um, but it's still a good watch. Yeah. And she's amazing in it too. Oh, I mean, everything. She's amazing in it. I've had a real, um, inkling recently to go back and watch Babylon because I know that we talked about it and I wasn't like in love with it, but I really want to go back and watch it again. So I'm probably going to try and do that this week. Yeah, I got it on <coughs> 4K the other yeah. day, and yeah, I want to I want to rewatch it too. Yeah, it's also just beautifully shot. Like it's I know, a beautiful yeah. movie. Yeah, and I think you know that's part of it. But just Margot Robbie can do no wrong. I don't know. I don't know where she goes from here, but it's going to be up. Yeah, I mean, she's also a producer on Barbie, which we'll talk about next yeah. week. But um, yeah, she's making all the money right now for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, yeah. And that was it. That was cool. everything. Well, it wasn't everything. There was a lot of other stuff that I watched, but they were the films that I wanted to talk to you about. Sweet. Thank Perfect. you. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um. So now the other the other film that Brandon and I watched was my pick. Um, and we're going to go and talk about it now in our feature presentation. City Lights from 1931. The letterbox summary, True Blind Love. City Lights is the first silent film that Charlie Chaplin directed after he established himself with sound-accompanied films. The film is about a penniless man who falls in love with a flower girl. I picked this film because I talked about it a little bit on our top 10 episode a few weeks ago. Um, did a double bill between this and the kid. Um, and at the time you said, oh, I've never seen it. And instantly I was like, okay, we're going to have to watch it soon. Yeah. Um, and I know that you've seen um, What Great Dictator and amongst others. Which other ones have you seen? Um, the Gold Rush. Yes. And yeah, The Great Dictator. And that might be it, honestly. Mm. I mean, maybe I, like some older ones. Or when like I was like younger. Yeah. I don't know. Because I know that this is probably now like the highest regarded of, of his films. Of his. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so it's a good one to watch. I mean, it recently came in at number 36 on the Sight and Sound top films of all time poll. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, pretty high. I think, is it the highest silent film on the list? Um, I'm just going to have a quick scan through. Oh, awesome. Sunrise. 
and Man with the Movie Camera. So it's the third highest rated silent film. Gotcha. On the list. But don't let that be a barometer because it's notoriously terrible for remembering silent films the list. So that was just a yeah. useless fact. There you go. Um but first impressions, Brandon, what did you think to City Lies? Yeah. Um obviously it's great. Um, yeah. the whole time I was just, you know, getting ready to cry. <laughs> uh <laughs> based on like what you and Tech said. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, no, I mean, my initial thoughts are just like, I mean, it's so evident, his talent, right? Yeah. Um, his his entertaining capability and his writing capability. Um, obviously, well, like the use of sound stood out a lot, um, and mm. I didn't realize this was his first, you know, sound, his foray into using sound in his uh, films. Um because it's basically still silent, which just got like sound effects and stuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but he uses them so creatively to like, not to point out that there's sound, but to kind of like add to the comedy. Yeah. Um. But one of the things that I think is interesting about the film, and and this is probably applies to his other films as well is that his jokes seem to be like kind of the low hanging fruit. Yeah. You know, but he takes, you know, like we were talking earlier, like (laughs) when the guy, when he's like, when he's like, be careful with your driving. And he's like, I'm driving, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's such a, yeah, it's like low hanging fruit. It's like it's just it's right there, mm-hmm. um, and it almost feels just too obvious. But yeah. you know, he he makes it really funny. You know, he makes yeah. all of these things really funny, and with the way that he embodies the character and the delivery of the jokes, and and the way that <laughs> the other characters embody their characters, um. Yeah, it just it's just a it's like filmmaking 101, right? It's yeah. just like, hey, here's how you entertain people. And it's cool because like most comedies don't age well. No. Yeah. But this film is so universally comical and accessible yeah. mm-hmm. um that it just it these jokes don't age. They're still funny. They yeah. still land. I, th- I think um, Charlie Chaplin would be giving you the biggest smile right now if he was listening because you've kind of hit the nail on the head. This came out, what, 31? Um, 1927 was the jazz singer. So like the first kind of Hollywood foray into sound. Yeah. Um, sound was kind of everywhere. There was only two, I think, silent films released this year from North America, which was City Lights and um, F.W. Murnau's Taboo. Um and Chaplin was so afraid of kind of, not afraid, but like resistant of going over to sound because when it was silent, he was like, it was universal. He could sell it to any market and everyone could watch him. They yeah. didn't need the sound. And then going over to sound, he was worried about all the markets. So the fact that he said that this is such a universal thing, I think he would be, you know, it did his job. <laughs> it was yeah, still yeah. available to everybody, you know. Yeah, it works, you know. And yeah. I think I mean it, it his character of the tramp is like 
such a it's something it's it's a character that i think everybody can kind of relate to in some ways because everybody at some point has been like down on their luck yeah or felt kind of lower class maybe yeah um at least the majority of people i think Mm -hmm. can can relate to that in some way um so just you know the genius of that character and sticking with it through all the films, I think, is probably adds to his success. You know, it just yeah. worked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just like the whole opening of the film, starting off like the reveal of the statues and, you know, just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> trying to get this homeless guy off the statue. And, you know, it just, it just opens up so strong. Mm. Um, yeah. And then it just, continues to be to be funny throughout i would say that like you know what what really took the film from just like oh this is like a film with you know really great scenes and really great gag after gag to like oh this is brilliant was the boxing scene Mm -hmm. um that that's where it took it to like oh there's a master at work here yeah. Uh, because just the whole buildup of that sequence and of the character, you know, needing to get money for, yeah. you know, to help, you know, he's, he's trying to get money for someone else. You know, it's not like he's just needs money. Yeah. So like there, there's, you know, you're on his side cause it's like yeah. an act of kindness and, and, you know, empathy and, and stuff. So you want him to get this money and then the, the guy that's going to split it with him, He's like, all right, I get, you know, I I can do this, but you know, at least it's just going to yeah. be an act, you know. Um, he, they're going to split the money fifty fifty, and then the guy bails because the cops are after him, mm-hmm. and then you get this uh, this other guy that comes in, and he tries to to you know see if he'll split the money, and the guy's like, no. Yeah. Um, but just the whole the build up. Um. What's the right word? The, yeah, just the buildup, I guess. The the buildup of that whole sequence. Um, the tension, the building of the tension, mm-hmm. I think, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's still really funny, but I found myself... It, it wasn't just funny. It was, yeah. you know, I felt the tension. I was like, I don't yeah. know where this is going or how this is going to yeah. end or how he's going to pull off um something satisfying yeah yeah you know without me feeling sorry or like i i don't know like let down in some way like mm-hmm. like it was like the building of that tension was also me being like you better like in this well Deliver. or else i'm going to yeah. be mad <laughs> you know yeah. uh and then like the the whole rabbit's foot thing and then the guy yeah. comes out and he's like trying to wipe the rabbit's foot off now because he's like lost and then the guy that he like the guy that knocked um the guy the other guy out that was using the rabbit foot it's it's going to be really confusing if you haven't seen this movie cuz I'm yeah. just saying the guy that did this and that but um basically the boxer that he's about to face ends up knocking the winner out of the previous round just 
with one punch on accident <laughs> in a little brawl in the in the yeah. uh, locker room, <laughs> just to add to that um, tension. To where he's like, uh, he just you know the he just knocked the previous guy out with just like a little <laughs> knock to the face. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah. So so like at that moment, you're like, okay, well this is going to be over quick. Yeah. You know, like, where does the storytelling go from here? Because you've just built up that the guy he's about to face is unbeatable. Yeah. You know, there's no way Yeah. that um, the tramp is going to have any, <laughs> any legs to stand on or, you know, have any chance of winning. Um, but he just goes, just he just makes, he, like, he goes back to this, like, storytelling 101 man it's just yeah. like he makes it so fun and entertaining and <laughs> it just yeah that whole sequence just had me busting out laughing you know yeah. like they go out <laughs> to the to fight and it just it's just one ridiculous thing after another that again almost felt like low-hanging fruit but it was like i couldn't see it coming you know, no. it, it was yeah. like all the all the gags and, you know, the way that he drew that sequence out, um, but kept the tension in there um, was just brilliant storytelling. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the way that the way that he does it, where like the the referee is like standing in the middle and he gets some punches in, you almost <laughs> feel like, OK, well, actually, maybe the tramp is going to win this fight. And that's yeah. kind of where I thought it was going. But then he just doesn't win anyway. No. And it I was know, like... I was going to say yeah, the <laughs> the important thing here is like the end is how how he loses basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's um I mean the the boxing ring was obviously kind of a trope in the silent comedies. It's it's a great playground for for people that, you know, for the comics, I guess. Um most of them ended with the comic winning by some, you know, lucky slipping over and punching them by accident or you yeah. know, something of that ilk. Um, but Chaplin loses in quite a spectacular fashion. He seems as soon as the dancing behind the referee kind of ends, it's not it's not really left in any doubt that he's gonna lose. Yeah. You know, he gets kind of pummeled <laughs> from there, unfortunately. Yeah. Um with some great comedy moments with the I love the 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 bell being around his neck and every time he falls down the yeah, bell, the rings, bell so he gets yeah. up to go back to his <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i love the part where he like punches the guy in the butt <laughs> 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 yeah. just like funny little like i don't know it's almost like you have to like think like a kid yeah to come up with that kind of stuff i think yeah um it's so simple but it's deceptively simple i think yeah yeah it you know when you're watching it it just makes complete comic sense but trying to come up with it i mean it's like a dance like the whole sequence is just like a you know it's like a beautifully choreographed dance yeah mm -hmm. um it just looks effortless yeah and i think it's um it looks effortless but it it definitely wasn't no you know, because this kind of f filmmaking and storytelling does take a lot of care. Yeah. You have to really care. 
about what you're yeah. making. Yeah. And I think that's what stands out with uh with really good silent films, um or or really good films, you know. They don't even have to be silent, but just older films. Yeah, is that they're not using like they're not using like camera trickery, trickery or you know stylized spectacle to kind of uh, to sell the the movie to you. They're yeah. just using storytelling. You know, the yeah. camera's not moving around. It's just on the actors and and so the storytelling is the performances and the way that things are being delivered to you mm -hmm. um because you can't to tell a good story you can't like i don't know you can't trick someone into thinking your story is good by yeah <laughs> doing something stylized mm -hmm. you know um so yeah, I mean it just it just goes to show like the care I think and effort that he did put into it, the fact that it just looks so effortless. Yeah. And comes across that way. Yeah. Um what uh so what's your experience like with this film? And I, uh yeah. I mean I, I you know, obviously it's in like your top 10 films of all time. It was also one this was the film you went and saw at the Texas Theater, right? I went to see Safety that? Last oh, okay, at the Texas okay. Theater. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, Chaplin's always been, I mean, most of my root of, like, love of classic cinema really stems from Chaplin. I can, you know, a lot of my early film watching was when I was independent and could kind of pick the stuff I wanted to watch was more directed towards Chaplin, I guess. Yeah. Um, City, City Lights itself is something that I think I came to pretty late. I don't think I watched... It as much as I mean, the kid was the one I went to and watched a lot. That's kind of like a personal favorite, um, and maybe modern times more than City Lights. Yeah. Um, but I think that there was a moment in time when the ending, especially, just kind of got me. Um, and it, I don't know. There's just more pathos and care to this film than any of the others, and that's saying a lot because they're all very well-crafted movies yeah um, and i think that as your like as my especially mine appreciation of cinema evolved city lights just improved again and again and again it was less about the jokes and more about how he made you feel that way at the end yeah because it's not something that's necessarily it i don't feel like it's contrived to make you like get emotional well, yeah, that's the thing about that scene is I don't think I don't think that necessarily I think there's just something magic that happened. You know, I don't yeah. think it's necessarily something that anybody planned. No. And it's know? literally and it it's literally the last shot that gets yeah. me. Mm -hmm. It's like all oh, the whole point. You're just like, oh, my God, I'm so like she's remembered. This is great. And then it's that last shot of Chaplin smiling that I'm just like, this is like it's it just transcends it. You know, it's just like. It's exactly. magic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, it's crazy the way that it happens too, because I mean, the whole time I was like, okay, there's going to be some kind of scene where I get emotional. Yeah. And yeah. it's literally not until the right, to the, till the very end. And it just kind of, even with me anticipating it, it was, it was like a clear switch of yeah. like just this wave 
that goes yeah, over you. Yeah, I know, yeah. And you feel so it's like a relief. Uh-huh. That they found each other. Yeah. You know, cuz the kid also makes me like tear up a little bit, but that is more that's the scene where the kid is taken away. And they're both yeah. kind of like crying themselves and like, you know, reaching out and stuff. And it's like, okay, that, you know, that is made to make me cry. I mean, the tagline is, I think, to, you know, this film will make you shed a, oh, like, have a laugh and shed a tear or something like that. So it's kind of, it wants you to be emotional. Yeah. Um, whereas this is just so pure. And yeah, exactly. Because I think it's, it's not forced and it's not, no. it's not like, I don't like I said I don't think they created that scene to um to make people cry or anything. No. I think it's just like here's what feels right, let's shoot it. And they probably still didn't I mean you wouldn't know that until the ed- you edit it. Mm. You know, it's something yeah. that happened in the editing room once it was put together. It was like, "Oh, there's this is actually really good or really yeah. impactful and um yeah. Yeah, it's like something you can't. Necessarily you can't recreate it. Yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. something that you would, yeah, go in kind of planning for, like you said. Um, yeah, and I think that the whole, you know, he's so selfless the whole film up until that point. He doesn't even, you know, it's not seedy at any point. He's just in love with her. Yeah, know? and like with the boxing match, I just love the scene where. He's been knocked about a bit, and he kind of envisions her next to him. And even yeah. that's done really delicately. It's not kind of, I don't like. It's not done for laughs. Apart right. from the punchline at the end, as he's kissing like the hand of the, of the one of his coaches oh, that's right. kind of yeah, helping yeah. him through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so sweet, you know. Um, I mean, that's what Chaplin does the best: is this kind of comedy and you know pathos. It's yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. It is beautiful. Have you uh have you shown how many times have you like shown this to other people? Um or a few you? times. I mean, it Chelsea and I it, it got Chelsea when I showed her. Yeah. You know the ending it's it, it's just so great. Um Yeah. And you know, a few other people at uni and stuff I used to wheel it out. I was <laughs> I was the most fun at house parties. Like come and watch City Lights, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I mean it's. I think it just works for everyone. I don't think you necessarily have to be that interested in it to to get it. You know. Do you think that the emotion at the end works so much better because you've been laughing so much? Yeah, I think that. I mean, they are like similar parts of the brain. Yeah, I think. Um, so I think that you're already in that state you're already kind of prepared to emote i guess yeah um and yeah i think that yeah because we i mean it, it i mean it is funny you know so you are laughing throughout and then you get the sucker punch at the end but i think that's a good a good um point is that yeah it works so well together because it's comedy and you know crying yeah one of the parts that made me like bust out laughing is when the <laughs> he tries to like spoon the the ball guy's head. 
<laughs> yeah. I really like I think one of my favorite gags is where he's driving the eccentric millionaire's car and he sees the the cigar stub on the side of the road and he jumps out and like pushes the other guy over and then jumps back into the car in like his tails. Yeah. Um it's nice to be on the other side. Um I think that's really good. Um the opening scene is probably one of the funniest um scenes for me that Chaplin did like in full. Uh-huh. I love the, you know, getting caught on the sword. Yeah. And then having the Star Spangled Banner play and like his leg keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Which I find really funny. Yeah. Um and it also it's the the when the people who are kind of presenting the statue are speaking the it's like a kazoo noise that he makes um which i've seen people kind of say is his like thumb in his nose to the to the sound era uh, like, look how ridiculous it is when people talk in these movies <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's right he does do that where they're like just like yeah and it's him it's chaplin with a kazoo doing that sound. <laughs> even for the woman <laughs> yeah that's um, great. And the Star Spangled Banner, which plays, <clears throat> was not the national anthem for the US until after it was released. Oh, really? Yeah, which is really strange. It's just like a patriotic song that he chose. Yeah, um, that's funny. So now for us, it, we just feel like it's the national anthem, but it was just a patriotic song. Yeah, just a regular song. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, that's great. I don't remember what I was going to say, but yeah, I mean, I th- I think the the part where the guy like eats the soap and then he's like <laughs> <laughs> like bubbles are coming out. It's so it's so yeah. I don't know. It's just so like it's like what could we do to make people laugh? You know. Yeah. And it's like, it's like you can remind- tell that like things like that, like he had so much fun with. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like, doing the shot the from the side. Yeah. Yeah. Making the bubbles look like they're coming out of his yeah. mouth. You know. Because it's this film feels like a kind of greatest hits of Chaplin in a way. Because that kind of stuff that you know, the really silly slapstick stuff, um, he obviously got from like his time at Keystone and like other um when he first started in the industry, like making these really low budget kind of silent comedies slapstick stuff um and then even like him playing a drunk is how like he got his start he he was in um vaudeville and i think it was called a night at the opera and there was like a play on the thing and he would come on from the side sit in the box and be like a drunk audience member yeah that would like shout and like fall over and stuff like that and that was like the bit <clears throat> so when he's playing the drunk, you can just see how expert he is at it. I mean, when he yeah. gets onto the dance floor and he's <laughs> his legs are just like out from under him, but he still manages to get the whole way across. It's I don't know, like I, I don't know. Yeah, how he, does he, it. he is he that that did stand out to me too. Was just like how yeah. good good he is at that mm-hmm. at, at playing a drunk because that's also one of those like universal things. I think it's like. You know, there's nothing in this movie that you don't get, you know, Mm -hmm. like in terms of jokes or comedy, like it's all, it's all things that are still relevant. Yeah. You know, and, and even like, you know, the drunk guy, like 
the rich drunk millionaire that is friends with him when he's drunk and then when yeah. he's not he can't remember him or whatever yeah. like you know i don't know it just all works it not does. being able being able to pay your rent yeah you yeah. know um i don't know just like all of it mm. yeah it's um yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, like you said, it's timely, it's universal, it doesn't stop being funny. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's ever going to be a time where it's not <clears throat> hilarious, you know. Um, I really like in the in the party scene how they keep, like, throwing off their jackets as if to fight. Like, any oh, kind yeah. of inconvenience, <laughs> they're like, right, we're going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Contrast to, like, you know, when he's actually going to fight and he's, yeah, so, exactly. and he's sober. Yeah, wow. and he's terrified. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that the the bit that sticks out the most is like what what's going on here. I think is like the whistle scene where he swallows the whistle. Uh huh. And he's like summoning the dogs and the taxi cab, and <laughs> it's just so left field. But it is. Yeah. I love him walking back into the party and all the dogs just following. Him. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh-uh. Uh, not well. I guess it just made me re- remember that scene in Gold Rush, uh, where he like accidentally gets tied to the dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm just looking at your trivia that you put in here. And yeah. So what holds the record for the amount of retakes of a single scene? Which yeah, three hundred forty-two times. What scene is that? Yeah, so that is when the flower girl meets him for the first time, um, and I think you know we have to take it with a bit of a pinch of salt because obviously when they were making this film, it wasn't like he had figured everything out, written the script, and then they went to sh- shoot it. They were doing a lot of like working it out on set. on the go. Yeah, so this was like he needed. The blind flower girl to to assume that he was rich, but he didn't know how to like prevent, like put that onto the the screen. Yeah. Um, so event, you know, eventually we get the car door slamming, um, and she associates that with like him high being, class. Yeah, exactly. Um, so most of this was kind. Of, I think that it's kind of him working out how to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he tried to. It, I think it was three times during the two-year shooting schedule, where it was like, "We've got to go back to that scene." I'm not happy with it, so they had to keep going back and like redoing it and redoing it and redoing it. And it, apparently, it was 342 takes. Yeah, that just goes to show, like again, the amount of care. Yeah, because yeah, a lot hinges on that scene. Like, if you don't get it right, yeah, you know, then the audience is going to get lost. Exactly. And there was, um, there's lots of people that say that his way of working was to like come up with as many ideas as possible of how to do something and then just eliminate down to until it was like perfect. Mm. Yeah. So it's probably like, you know, a hundred takes of different ways to do it. And then he would just like work and work and work and work until it was like the most perfect version of what it could be. Yeah. Um, 
That's a so really, simple. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean that that's that's one way to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. When you when you are the most successful man in America, you know, yeah. you've got the time and yeah. money to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, but see, it's like by that logic, this new Aquaman movie should be really, really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, the problem with, I think the, the difference between, um, you know, movies that do that nowadays and Charlie Chaplin is there is a single visionary Mm -hmm. throughout the whole thing. Whereas these other movies like just change leadership constantly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Chaplin knows exactly what he wants. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, did not get on very well with um Virginia Cheryl, who plays the blind girl. Um she kind of annoyed him quite a lot, tried to get her replaced, but she was on contract, so had to kind of make do. That's kind of uh, crazy. Yeah. I think when when it was finished she said that um Charlie didn't really like her at all. That was like her one thing about it. Yeah. She was like, yeah, Charlie didn't like me at all. It's crazy that it still came out so good. Like, did that didn't bleed yeah. over into the images? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Um, But, I mean, it works. You know, she's not my favorite Chaplin um, feminine, you know, love interest, I guess. Yeah. But it does work really well. Yeah. Um, But they're also filming this film for two years. And if you were yeah, that's a long a, time. Yeah, playing a blind girl for three hundred and forty-two takes, where you just had the one line or the two words or whatever she says in that scene, it would have been pretty frustrating as well. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So she probably had her reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, spending that much time with anybody can probably yeah drive you nuts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, top grossing film of 1931 in North America, um, two, $2 million, and then took, I think, $5 million worldwide, so $3 million from overseas. Just kind of backing up that it was universal, that anyone could go and watch it, um, but didn't, but failed to get even a single Oscar nomination. Yeah, that's crazy. Which is mad. Yeah, it's madness. Um, Were the Oscars as prestigious back then as they are now? I think it was it the fourth Academy Awards that would have been in 1931 or like for the films of 1931. It's either the fourth or fifth. So it's no, it was basically the studios kind of congratulating themselves on making a lot of money. Yeah. Um, he, I think he had been given like an honorary Oscar for just being incredible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, at this point they were like, Oh no, we're all about the talkies. So yeah, this is not worthy. And There's no talking. Yeah, just kazoo's and slide whistles when he's slipping spaghetti. <laughs> um, so yeah, didn't receive any, which is yeah a travesty. Lame. But in 1950s, when it was re-released, I think Variety called it the best film of the 1950s. <laughs> so. It really? got accolade. Yeah, it got re-released in like the fifties, and Variety were like, "Yeah, it's the best year of this decade." 
the best film of this decade. So, oh my God, <laughs> uh, that's so silly. <laughs> so it's just you know growing in popularity all the time. Best film of the century? <laughs> Who knows? It's pretty close. That would be like the best film ever, though. Yeah, there's a lot of good films. But this is up there. I think when you, I think if you're kind of wanting to study kind of the touchstones of like the history of cinema, this has got to be up there. Yeah, over the other Chaplin films. Yeah. So, you've ticked it off the list now, Brendan. I did it. Woohoo! You did it. I uh, no, I, I want to watch it a few more times because I think there's just so much, especially as a filmmaker, just so much to yeah. learn. Yeah. But also, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to not. I think when you know, just as a filmmaker, I'm always like, "Oh, I need to watch this, or I need to do that, or I need to learn this or that," or, and I and I tend to not. Um, I, I it's like I'm getting away from just sitting down and enjoying something. Yeah, yeah, you know? I know what you mean. Yeah, so you just sit down and enjoy it. Just stop like trying to learn so much. I know. Yeah, I think, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. That's kind of why I'm trying to go back and rewatch films that I really liked before. Yeah, because it's like I'm just always constantly trying to chase the film, like and watch everything. Yeah, I feel like I'm always like I've got to watch something I haven't seen before. I've got to tick another one off. Yeah, and it's like no, just go back and watch things that you like. You know. Yeah, just enjoy life. You could, yeah. <laughs> so much pressure on yourself. To yeah, like, exactly. I don't know to Just impress no transcend, one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Like no one cares. Yeah. Like oh, I've seen every Chaplin film. Like who cares? Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the people who care are not around anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I did show Amelia a little bit of City Lights. She kind of came in and sat with me when I was watching it, and she was like, "I want to meet Charlie Chaplin," and I was like, Aww. "I would like to meet Charlie Chaplin too." And she said, I think he's probably with the princesses because he's a prince. <laughs> I was like, yep. <laughs> That's where he hopes he is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, there's. I wonder, like, there's. I wonder if there's any, like, Charlie Chaplin impersonators out there that, I mean, I'm sure that that was huge. Yeah, several years ago, but I wonder. It's probably not anymore. Did I tell you about the time that I met the? Well, I say the as if he's like the only one, but I met a Charlie Chaplin impersonator in Hollywood when I went. Oh, okay. It was kind of like outside the Chinese theater. I don't think you like, told me about it. Yeah, and he was. I mean, he was dressed as Charlie Chaplin with everything, and I had my Charlie Chaplin T-shirt on at the time because I was going to like Hollywood, so I wanted to be as filmy as possible. Yeah, and he was like. He was shocked. I, I don't think anyone <clears throat> had ever kind of come up to him knowing exactly who he was. <laughs> yeah. As like, he was, I can remember because like there was other people there, you know, there's Darth Vader and stuff like that. And you, they charge you for a photo. And he was like, oh, you know, I'm not going to charge you. I just want to have a photo with you. Yeah. Because you like, you obviously like Charlie Chaplin. And he was yeah. like shocked. Um, So I will put that on the instagram that photo of me and yeah the fake That's awesome. chaplain yeah so yeah. i'm sure yeah because it's like it's got to be such a niche yeah 
thing now. Yeah, to me, I'm just like, everyone should know who Charlie Chaplin is, but yeah, they, I mean, they don't. Yeah. So it's a shame. Yeah, because it's probably not even once a year that someone like you would come up and be like, Yeah. Charlie! (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) Um, Yeah. But That's awesome. Was, uh, yeah. I wonder what yeah, that guy's a... I wonder if he's still doing it. <laughs> Who knows? This was maybe what, ten years ago? So Cause it's like he's probably still there. Cause yeah, I don't know. It just seems like a character that, you know, you could like hire for parties and stuff, but it's like Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But there's no there's probably no one doing that. No. And no one that <laughs> even wants it. No, I mean, even me, the biggest Charlie Chaplin fan, I'd be like, that would be super awkward to have <laughs> him just kind of show up and hang around yeah, <laughs> with none of the grace or decorum of Charlie Chaplin. Uh-huh. Yeah, you just, maybe that's something that uh, we can look forward to in the future with augmented reality. Just yeah, I mean, maybe this is my, Charlie Chaplin. my new calling, you know, just lose a bunch of weight, drop about a foot in height, and I can be chaplain. No, you just have to stand around people that are taller than you. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) We'll only be hired for parties if you're seven foot plus. (laughs) Yeah. Just get get all the NBA um, players to really end chaplain and then get them to hire you. Yeah. You just wow. gotta like subliminally like get them to to fall in love with. Chaplin. Sounds like a lucrative career. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a that's a that would be a great movie. Yeah, you know? yeah. The story of you trying to sell yeah, yourself. Convince basketball yeah, players that they yeah. like Chaplin, yeah. just so I can be a convincing impersonator. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I want to see it. Yeah, well, I'll start. I'll write together a spec script. All right. <laughs> um, anything else we you can... want to say about this perfect film? Um, no, I just had the the thought that um, I maybe Spike Lee would be your way in into that. Oh yeah, he's you know basketball fan. Mm-hmm. And then classic uh, movie fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could uh, he could help you. but no uh no man i mean this movie is yeah i mean it's amazing i mean what else can i say um go watch it everyone yeah and it's streaming quite right like i think it's streaming quite a few places so like criterion channel and stuff like that nice oh i just got the your text with your picture (laughs) that's awesome man that guy looks so happy I know. That's what I'm saying. He he's so excited to be there. Yeah, I, I mean he's like full on in character. I mean the amount of makeup he has. I know. On, I know. Like just as much care into his costume as Chaplin put into City Lights. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. And you got your Starbucks. I I do have my Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, um, yeah. He looks he he looks like I'm the celebrity, which is yeah, always yeah. always made me quite happy. That's awesome. <laughs> Perfect. Well, do you want to guess what the other people what the other people 
what we each peeps. rated it on Letterboxd. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know. I'm pretty sure it's yeah. I mean, it's yeah. in your top films ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be five out of five. Yeah. yeah. Ding I ding think, ding ding ding. I think mm, four and a half. I'm gonna say. I think my gut's telling me four and a half. I think you're right. Yeah. I think my gut is also telling me four and a half. Yeah. Our guts are talking to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Zombies. <laughs> um awesome cool sweet well brandon what are we going to be watching next week uh well with the popularity of barbie um and also because my girlfriend recently went back and watched this movie um i was i'm curious after what she told me about it because i've seen it before but i'm i, yeah. I want to rewatch it um, and see what I see how it's aged. See what I think about it now. See what you think about it now. It is Francis Ha. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, I haven't seen this film for quite a while. Um, I'm excited to go back. That's a great pick. Yeah, well, I think it came out in 2013, right? Yes, I think. Yeah. Have to double check. Um. Yeah, directed by Noah Baumbach, mm-hmm. written by Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig, starring Greta Gerwig. Perfect. Um, it's going to be a good chat, and we'll probably do a full Barbie chat on that yeah. one as well. Yeah, It'll be the Greta Gerwig episode. Yeah. Um. So hopefully try and get to, I mean, I'll try and get to see Barbie again before we talk. Yeah, yeah, I, I would like to go see it again too. Yeah, that'll be good. Perfect. It will. Well, that that sounds great. Can't wait to do it next week. <laughs> um, and if you want to watch along with us, you definitely can. And then come back same place, same time next Sunday to hear us talk about Francis Ha. Um, that brings us to the end of the show. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Film Church Radio, and you can follow us individually on Letterboxd. Brandon is at Selman Scope and I am at Walker Lewis 3007 and you can keep up with what we've been watching in real time. I log them as soon as the credits roll. And we also have all our back episodes streaming on our good podcast platforms so please go ahead leave us a rating and review so we know if you liked the film if you didn't and what you would pick for us to watch in the future. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we'd love that anyone's listening. It means a lot. And we hope to see you next Sunday for more Film Church Radio. Brandon, the only thing left to say is you you can see now yes i can see now it was really hard to pick an ending quote because it's silent so yeah this is the best you're gonna get (laughs) (laughs) amen amen bye peace